In this episode, I'm talking about romaine lettuce and all of the implications and current outbreaks that have plagued this particular produce item. And not so ironically, just as I finished recording this episode, I found out about yet another outbreak. 40 people have been affected, 26 hospitalized, and six have had kidney failure. And it's not over yet. We're just getting wind of it. So this is considered an active outbreak, and we are heading into the week of Thanksgiving. It's enough to give a fit foodie a major stomach ache because it keeps happening over and over and over again. This is the fifth major outbreak associated with romaine lettuce in two years. When is the madness going to end? For that reason, this podcast episode is a particularly emotional one. I just want you to prepare yourself because I'm not holding back. If we are going to make change happen, it starts with us. I'm just telling you guys, it is not going to happen from the top down. There are too many touch points for handling produce. We're the last line of defense. And in this episode, you'll hear more about the background of romaine lettuce, what actually happens when you buy a pre-washed, pre-cut bag of cut lettuce like romaine, and what you can do to take food safety matters into your own hands. Listen close and make sure to follow us on social media, especially on Facebook and Instagram, where we'll keep you up to the minute on recalls and post it on this current one as well. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork, yeah? Fresh cut produce is a really attractive way to get more fruit and vegetables onto your family's plate. I mean, there's no discrepancy there. And people can't seem to get enough variety judging by what is available at our local grocery store. If you're scared of sharp knives, not into washing it yourself or spending time to do the work, buying everything ready to eat is a godsend, right? According to a 2014 report from the Produce Marketing Association, who I am a member of and have been a member of and subscribed to for a long time, Fresh cut produce is an estimated $27 billion market and sales are increasing in double digits unlike most categories that are very stagnant or even slipping. At retail, so when you go into the store, it accounts for over 16% of sales. And for food service, including your favorite salad bar, it's over 60% of the supply. So when you go out to eat, a lot of that is already coming 
pre-cut and processed. Mixed fruit, apples, pineapple, and watermelon account for the largest percentage of fresh cut fruit sales in U.S. grocery retail. And aside from bagged salad, carrots, and mixed vegetables, which account for the largest dollar share of fresh cut veggie sales in the U.S. grocery stores in that retail, the biggest winner of the ready-to-eat or pre-cut, pre-washed category is bagged salad, okay? Bagged salad has all but saved the produce department. It owns over 60% of sales, at least until late 2017. And that's when the latest crop of outbreaks started happening. The first case showed up on the Center for Disease Control's radar on November 5th, 2017, when a Shiga toxin-producing E. coli strain 0157H7 showed up just in time for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Isn't that perfect? 25 cases were reported across 15 states, hospitalizing nine and causing one death. The outbreak was declared over by January 25th, 2018, and according to the CDC, information gathered from ill people indicated that the likely source of the outbreak in the U.S. was leafy greens. The investigation wasn't able to identify a specific type of leafy greens as the source of the outbreak, although 93% of those sickened did report eating some type of leafy green. Uh, and 55% of the ill people specifically said they ate romaine lettuce. But like many outbreaks, mind you, they weren't able to put their finger on the smoking gun. And just when people thought it was safe to go back into the water, another outbreak wave reared its ugly head. This starting in mid-March of 2018, romaine became the most unwanted produce item. After being implicated in a three-month outbreak, it left a lot of damage in its wake. Reported 210 people ill, 96 hospitalized, and five dead across 35 states. Friends, we're talking about lettuce, the same culprit again. The FDA and state and local regulatory officials traced this particular outbreak to romaine lettuce, definitively, and to many farms in the Yuma, Arizona growing region. The FDA, along with the CDC and state partners, started an environmental assessment in the Yuma growing region and collected samples of water, soil, and manure. And what they found is that the outbreak strain of E. coli 10157H7 in water samples taken from a canal in the Yuma growing region was present. It was the smoking gun. They found it. And subsequently, you couldn't find any romaine on the shelf, whole or cut, because it affected both. The unnerving part of all this, though, is that the outbreaks affected mostly pre-cut produce, supposedly the, the pre-washed bagged kind that is considered safe. So let's play this back. As a consumer, 
you pay two to three times more for the convenience of getting your produce pre-washed and cut and bagged, right? You're assuming that means it's safe. Well, get ready for the fork drop. It's not. I spoke with Bill Marler, the lead counsel for Marler Clark, who is largely, largely considered the nation's leading law firm representing victims of foodborne illness outbreaks. Bill and I have become associates over the last several years as we are both keenly interested in food safety. Marler got his career start in 1993, representing over 500 people who got sick from the E. coli hamburger uh, outbreak at Jack in the Box. One of the most sadly well-known cases of all time of a foodborne illness outbreak because it affected so many children. And children are considered one of the biggest at-risk segments of the population because of their developing immune system. From 1993 to 2001, Marler shared with me, Bill, uh, that 95% of the E. coli outbreaks were linked to hamburger meat. 95%, the vast majority. But now, People's interest in salads and convenience with bagged lettuce has grown so much that leafy greens are the focus of the E. coli contamination, not the burgers. You can kill bacteria with a kill step, meaning cooking it to temperature. And I'm about to share with you that is not necessarily the case when you're talking about lettuce greens, salad greens. So in that horrible, horrible outbreak, Bill represented five people who died and those hospitalized after eating the tainted pre-cut romaine of 2018, including a seven-year-old little one who remains on dialysis with a high likelihood of needing a kidney transplant. Her life expectancy may well be shortened by over 30 years, and she may never have children or a job. She may actually need dialysis for the rest of her life. And Bill shared this story with me, and it really like it really sent that shockwave through me because sometimes we don't hear about these horrors, the aftermath of an outbreak, the aftermath of somebody getting sick. And you may hear the numbers and you may go, well, that's not a lot of numbers, but Look, when it affects a child's life, a seven-year-old that will never be the same because she ate a salad, it's a mess. And the horrors associated with this and the people who experience it, including her and her parents, these are the stories that we don't really get exposure to. He also shared with me that he's taken the depositions of many produce processors and growers and that he's seen it all. And what's different with E. coli associated with beef is that a lot of processes after that E. coli outbreak with Jack in the Box, a lot of those processes were implemented to drive change in the industry. You know, it was a big, big, big warning sign. So they included washing carcasses and cooking the beef more thoroughly to make sure that it was killing the bacteria. But one thing that you don't have in pre-washed leafy greens is a kill step. And if you're thinking, well, 
I just assumed that them washing it and putting it in a bag meant that that was a kill step or that it was safe. It's simply not true. Marler shared with me that bringing home the produce and washing it properly and chopping it and eating it promptly is probably safer than relying on the pre-washed. Yes. And he went on to share with me that he just doesn't think the industry has learned how to process safe enough fresh cut produce, even though consumers have gotten used to it. Let me repeat that. Even though we've gotten used to buying that pre-cut, pre-washed produce, it doesn't mean that it's safer. According to the FDA, leafy greens are the number one cause of foodborne illness, and five out of the 10 riskiest foods are in the produce category. E. coli, salmonella, and listeria are the usual suspects. And as the demand for fresh cut produce has skyrocketed, the process to ensure safety becomes infinitely more complex and unsure. Survival of of growing bacteria in bag salad is higher than in loose produce. If you handle it properly, triple wash greens should give you confidence, but there is no kill step. And if something goes wrong in the supply chain, including temperature abuse, meaning that once it has been cut and once it has been processed, it is now considered higher risk. It's the perfect opportunity for something to grow. I spoke to Will Daniels, who is a 20-year industry expert in food safety, specifically with Leafy Greens. He was he is now the president of the produce division of IEH Laboratories. But about 20 years ago, he joined Earthbound Farms to create a comprehensive food safety program and enhance their HACCP plan. HACCP is a uh, standard that is implemented in order to ensure that the right processes are in place to mitigate risk. And you know what? Unfortunately, Will Daniels was also there when the 2006 spinach outbreak also happened and all bets were off. There was a massive investigation of their facility by the FDA, and consequently, it was actually raided. And when that day happened, he told me it was one of the scariest days of his life. I mean, literally, they raided the facility. But what it did do is it led to an overhaul of the system for them. Now, I want you to listen really, really closely to what Will shared with me. And this is a direct quote from him. He said that volunteer regulations, and I'm emphasizing the word here, volunteer, regulations through the Leafy Greens marketing agreement have brought a lot more intention attention and intention to the grower community. Now, most of them have a dedicated food safety person on staff but it's an industry-led voluntary initiative. It is not required, folks. And there are a lot of debates over what the regulations for bagged lettuce should be since that fateful day on 2000, in 2006 when that spinach outbreak killed numerous people. And Will 
you know, he informed me that there's a ton of data that's been amassed, but have we solved the problem? The answer is no. And that is straight from somebody who has been knee deep in the trenches for over 20 years. I know this is a lot to swallow. Oh my goodness. I know that this might come as a huge shock to you, but we have to stop and ask the question, guys. It's not going away. These outbreaks are not going away. These incidents of recalls are not going away. And guess what? By the time there's a recall, it's too damn late. It already is usually weeks, if not months, into the first case being identified. So if you're asking yourself right now, what do I eat? Let me continue. In September of 2018, I attended the 22nd Annual Fresh Cut Products Conference at UC Davis's Post Harvest Center. And it's largely, they are largely considered the preeminent thought leaders and researchers in produce safety and shelf life extension. It was a three-day deep dive into pathogens, processes, packaging, and everything pea-related <laughs> produce. I literally felt like I was getting my PhD and feeling pretty, pretty accomplished in inquiring all that industry lingo and sharpening my technical chops, even though I've been in this industry myself for over 25 years. And despite the tremendous advancements in a pretty relatively new segment of the food supply, which is that fresh cut and pre-processed, there are still big questions that echoed through the three days around food safety. And one that rang loud and clear corroborated exactly what I heard from Bill Marler and from Will Daniels. There is not one widely accepted kill step that is considered acceptable when it comes to pathogenic bacteria on raw fresh cut produce. Not that I question the experts, but the leading scientists in the world corroborated those claims. In the US, over 48 million people suffer from foodborne illness every single year. And of them, over 120,000 are hospitalized and over 3,000 will die. That's, those are straight numbers reported from the FDA and the CDC. A 2015 CDC study found that from 2010 to 2014, 120 multi-state foodborne disease outbreaks occurred in the U.S. and were responsible for 11% of the illnesses. And guess what? Those were largely leafy greens and melons. <sighs> Let me just take a deep breath right now because this gets me so worked up. If you're thinking that Twinkies might be safer than a salad or a melon cup, I'm not saying that, okay? Nice try. But... The reality is nothing in this world is 100% safe. Nothing. No matter how many processes we have in place, no matter how many systems, all of these programs, guys, are voluntary. Of course, a company never wants a recall to come back on, that sh on their shoulders. It can all but kill their business. But it's still voluntary. So, um, you know, since this all happened, there have been more recalls. There have been more issues. It just happened. 
there was just another outbreak. And it took the FDA over six weeks to even report that there was an outbreak. Meanwhile, people were just, they had no idea. They were in the dark. I mean, exactly one year ago, around Thanksgiving, around this time of year, you couldn't even find a head of romaine lettuce on the shelves. New fears of another E. coli outbreak forced the CDC to not just advise Americans to throw out their romaine lettuce, they actually went in and cleared the shelves. Three major recalls in over, in the last two years, rather. And that's a lot. That's a lot. Hundreds of affected cases, over 120 hospitalizations, and five deaths. I mean, it's back in the news just in this past week. Just in this past week, there was a huge recall of ready-to-eat romaine salads with chicken. But the thing that seems really absolutely unacceptable is why it took over six weeks after the outbreak for the news to come out and why there's no sign of it on the CDC's website. I mean, they're supposed to be the place to document all of this. And they did advise the USDA in the first place. I, uh, I connected with Bill Marler again, and he wrote on his blog, although the consuming public was kept in the dark, it is without question that government, industry, and academia knew that the outbreak happened, but they all chose to hide it until late this evening, and so much for transparency and food safety culture. Even Consumer Reports, which has done a lot of studies in terms of looking at the safety of bagged produce, especially bagged lettuce, is asking the same things. Why are consumers being left in the dark? Why are we not getting this information? Why is it that when we go to a grocery store, it doesn't say there's been an outbreak? We are not carrying lettuce because of that reason. The very definition of insanity, according to Einstein, is repeating the same action and expecting a different outcome. And here we are accepting that outbreaks are just part of our everyday lives. Everything in life carries a risk, okay? You could walk into the street and have a piano fall on your head or a meteor hit you. But more likely, you could grow your own produce and a rodent gets into the garden and drops a big one on it and you don't wash your produce properly and you get really sick. And the same thing could happen at a restaurant because the cook handled meat or went to the bathroom and then didn't wash their hands properly. And the same thing could happen because you cross-contaminate your food by using a cutting board where you use raw produce and then contaminate it with something that's cooked vice versa. And the same thing can happen because you went to the store and you bought produce and it was part of an outbreak and you didn't find out about it until a couple weeks later. So my friends, what do you do? We are all about mitigating risk, reducing our risk. So I'm going to share with you a few examples of how you mitigate your risk. Because at the end of the day, that is what we need to do in order to protect our plate. Number one is if you're buying fresh cut, there are a few things you need to keep in mind. Retailers need to keep that produce refrigerated 
at a maximum of 40 to 41 degrees Fahrenheit. Ideally, it's getting stored between 32 to 36 degrees. Now, what you don't know is the temperature fluctuations that it went through before it got into their produce case. But if you wanna make sure that at least what you can control is being checked on, then make sure that their case is between that 32 and 36 degrees Fahrenheit. According to study, many numerous studies um, at UC Davis, they shared that 32 degrees is really the optimal temperature for preventing foodborne illness from happening. Also, you wanna make sure to check expiration dates. The jury is out on whether some of that is, is really, you know, is really right and we have a lot of food waste happening, but it's something that you can use as a checks and balance. And throwing out produce that's past its, its prime is a way that you can take that food safety step into your own hands. I would also look into the processes of the companies that you're buying from. There are some companies that have been implicated in one outbreak after another. And you can find out a lot of that information on the CDC and USDA websites. So look into their past. Have they been involved in multiple outbreaks in one, two, three successive years? Just something to think about. So that's number one if you're buying fresh cut produce that's already done for you. Number two, processing your own. Okay, when you're purchasing produce, Try not to buy produce that's been bruised or damaged. And if it has, make sure that you're cutting that clean off because unless you intend to use it for something that's getting cooked, incorporated into a soup or canned or something like that, that is a hotbed for bacteria. When you're buying it and bringing it home from the store, make sure that you're keeping it separate from meat, poultry, and other products that are raw. So any protein that um, could potentially then cross-contaminate is something to be aware of. When you're storing it, make sure to store perishable fruits and vegetables like strawberries, lettuce, herbs, and other cut items, anything that might be cut, in a clean refrigerator at 40 degrees Fahrenheit or below. Um, I would recommend keeping high ethylene fruits like bananas, for example, separate from other fruit to avoid that overripeness, with, which can then accelerate the growth of bacteria. Of course, refrigerate all produce that is purchased pre-cut or peeled. And by all means, make sure you're washing your hands and washing your produce thoroughly. Begin with clean hands first, and I always recommend washing your hands, and this is from straight from the CDC, by the way, wash your hands for 20 seconds, and you can sing the happy birthday song slowly with warm water and soap. Hand sanitizer is something that you can look to in an emergency situation, but it's not the default. Actually cleansing your hands and using a surfactant uh, something that can chelate bacteria and the residue that can carry bacteria is really important. And washing your cutting boards, your dishes, your utensils, your countertops with soap and hot water or some sort of surface cleaner is really key. And especially using that in between the preparation of raw meat, poultry, and seafood. 
If you're using a plastic or other non-porous cutting board, run it through the dishwasher to give it a real sterilization because the, the heat and temperature of that water is something that is important. And clean it, for goodness sake, with something other than just water. Water is not a cleanser. If you've been following me for any period of time, you know that I'm the co-inventor of Eat Cleaner products. And I developed that line of products with my super smart scientist dad. And it's lab proven, patented, and just corroborated by all kinds of different third-party studies to be over 99% effective in removing the wax, pesticide residue, and junk, dirt, debris caked on soil that can carry that harmful E. coli, salmonella, and listeria. So make sure you're cleaning it properly. And I recommend if you're uh, if you've got firm flesh produce like melons and cucumbers where residue can get embedded in those little nooks and crannies and crevices, use a scrub brush and scrub that produce well with the brush using the eat cleaner. You know, drying produce with a clean cloth or paper towel can also help to remove any present bacteria. Just, you know, that friction of rubbing something against the produce can help to remove that. And agitation too. Using a salad spinner can be really effective in removing additional bacteria just from the agitation of working that produce back and forth. So I'm hoping that all of these tips and hints are helpful for you. Um, I suggest also in the show notes linking to our downloadable pocket guide to produce safety. And that's something that you can cut out, carry in your wallet, um, keep at home on your refrigerator so you know what to refrigerate, what to keep at room temperature, how to buy, how to prep, how to store, how to clean, and all of the things that I've gone over in this episode. It is so important that we take food safety into our own hands because as well-intentioned, okay, and I will say this up and down because I don't want to get any heat from companies saying, well, you're saying this and that. No, I know everybody is well-intentioned, but the truth is there is always risk. No matter how stringent your processes are, no matter how well-intentioned the supply chain is, no matter how many you know, different precautions that a manufacturer takes, that the retailer takes, that even you take as you're bringing your produce home from the store, you are the last line of defense. You get the final opportunity to make sure that food safety is practiced and implemented. And it's that important. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I would love to hear your feedback and thoughts on this. Please make sure to leave a comment. We read every single comment and take that to heart thoroughly. And if you have an idea for an upcoming podcast episode, would you let me know? I'd love to hear from you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out 
and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.